Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people in their 30s are on their quest to find love. I am Jen Sanford. That voice is Kyle Marshall. And if you're joining us on CJSW 90.9, happy first Wednesday of the month. Your rent is due. Uh, And if you're joining us on our regular Friday on the podcast, welcome. You're looking great. I mean, we can't see you, but we just assume that you all dress up to listen to us. Speaking of things Bow-tie, that we do... tucks, tails, fine dresses, <laughs> and you sit down and as a family, listen to... Oh, those little hats. <laughs> little hats on, sashes, and you mm-hmm. listen to this new heaping bowl of podcast. That's right. As a family. Mm-hmm. No, if you're listening as a family... You're a weird family. Deeply troubled. Is that weird to say? Yeah, of course, of course. So, you know, we pride ourselves on a lot of excellence in this podcast, don't we, Kyle? We do. Yeah. So if you're listening to us and you're thinking, this just doesn't quite sound right, it's because one of us and not me is late, (laughs) running late, running very late. So for us recording, it's a very late night. So I don't really tolerate excuses from most men and, and won't be tolerating it from Kyle. Kyle. You, what gives? You, you, you shouldn't tolerate it from me. And as you know, before we pushed the record button, I did say, I apologize. I value your time, but I am <laughs> late and I own up to the fact that I am late. What happened? Because oh, you boy, look Jen. sweaty. Like you look not okay. Yeah, I'm out of breath. Well, we all know how the whole thing with Legolas has gone. And if you're maybe just tuning in for the first time, this was the code name I gave to this gentleman who looked remarkably like Orlando Bloom from the 2001 to 2003 Lord of the Rings trilogy. But he is completely under my life. You know, he, uh, on my birthday, he stood me up. That's he, right. He the said, ultimate sin. He planned everything. He told me where to go. I went and I waited and I waited and I waited and I texted and there was no response, no response. And eventually I just had to go and have a very sad poutine by myself at a local pub. That is it's how I spent it's my 39th birthday. And I'm not laughing at you. I just, the way you say poutine sounds extra sad. I don't know why. Poutine. Poutine. Okay, so he's out of your life, but that doesn't explain to me why you're late. Okay, okay. I'm getting there. This is a story. I'm building a story here, Jen. Okay, okay. There's kind of a follow-up to this because just yesterday, I got another text message from Legolas. No. Hi. That's how he starts it off. Another immediate red Mm. flag, by the way. Award-winning. Award-winning. Then he follows that up a few seconds later by saying, I owe you an apology. I hope that we can see each other again. Obviously, on your own terms, I love to see you again. I have not responded. (laughs) And I don't know if I should respond and be like, listen, you screwed up. I don't like this is over type of thing. Or do I just do the whole ghosting maneuver? So I'm a a little bit on the fence with that specifically. Well, I, I think you're missing the third option, which is to barter. Like you stood me up on my birthday. You owe me a kidney. So get in the bathtub. I'm bringing the ice. I just think that that there's nothing more scandalous than a guy knowing it's your birthday, having you wait for him in a coffee shop and then not showing up. And then what? Five business days later, sending a perfunctory, Mm. please accept my apologies. And I look forward to continuing this madness at a later date. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm the worst, right? I'm the worst mm-hmm. for... We discerned this last week. I'm the worst for hanging in and you cut and run. But I, on this one, I don't know if there's a sin bigger than this. Yeah. 
So I'm still on the fence. I think I think I am going to respond to it, but I'm going to leave it for one more day. I'll, re- I'll report back next week. And what are you going to say? Like, suck it? What are you going to say? Yes. Uh, to whom it may concern, please <laughs> refer to the enclosed suck it. Uh, <laughs> thank you the, for your... That's embedded into this email message. Thank you for your aforementioned correspondence. That'll be how you start. I know you well enough to know <laughs> that's how you're going to start. But uh, in the meantime, why I am late... It still doesn't explain why you're all late and sweaty. I was despondent over the stupid text message that he sent yesterday. So my good friend, self-destructive tendencies, reared its ugly head again. I've been so good about keeping myself in check. And what do I do? I go into Grindr and I start trolling around. And there's this uh, cute guy that pops up that I've seen a few times. And I'm like, whatever, fine. I'll send a message. I don't want it. Because we know it's it's sparks fly when you start with, I guess. This will go. Let's do this one. You're off to the races already. A self-pitying swipe to the right. Um, No, I. I hope you're listening, sir. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway. (laughs) Maybe I just work better when I'm like, well, I have no chance. I did did my my standard, my go-to when I can't think of anything witty or funny based on their profile, which Mm -hmm. is I'm like, Hey, what's the first thing you ever became obsessed with in your life? That's kind of how I open up and just try and see if there's any conversation that gets sparked from that. That's so weird because if somebody started with that, I would be like unmatched. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's well, so see, weird. that's why. That's why. And that's no why one... we're not. That's why we're on a. Po- that's why you're forced to spend Fridays with me as part of your court-ordered, mandated community service. That's why. That's what's happened here. So we we banter back and forth. And I don't really want to like yada, 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 and then this happened, but that is kind of what I'm going to do because (laughs) yada, yada, yada. uh, Actually, no, let's play a bit of a game here, Jen. Oh, no. I want you to guess. Where's where I just had sex, Jen? Mm, I know you pretty well. Let me look at you. Lean forward. I'm I'm leaning. Turn to the side. Okay. Ah, you had sex in your car. I can tell by the back of your hair. Ding, 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 Jen. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. You're welcome. These are my special skills. My time at Harvard and Johns Hopkins is well earned now. <laughs> I didn't anticipate that that's where the evening was going. What, are you just un- unaware that he was going to get into your car? Or, like, no, like that was kind of the, the, the setup to the whole deal. Because that was something that he was, you know, turned on by. And I was like, I've never done this before. And so he kind of, uh, I don't know, took my hand and then walked me through doing this. Um, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Are you okay? No, because I think, I think part of the reason people do enjoy doing this is uh, the, the thrill of it. The thrill of it, that you're going to get caught yeah. doing it sort of thing. And that terrified me. I didn't like it. Because there oh, was, no. we tried to go to this very secluded spot and like we literally did go to where there was no cars. Like we went somewhere, like we were not in front of people or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But then I saw like the security guard coming uh, in like the car doing the circle around like this business park that we had parked into. I'm like, uh, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go. <laughs> oh, the worrier in you. And then I just assumed everyone knew what we were doing and was like following us and tailgating me and going to like come and. Because that's what happens when you see someone having sex in a car. Your first instinct is to follow them. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's what people, maybe that's what gets people off the most is like, I'm going (laughs) to find the sex cars and then go after them. So he was really into it. I think I dated that guy just to (laughs) back up. I think I dated that guy. Was this, wait, was this the first time you've ever had sex in a car? Yes. 
Huh. And the first time I was meeting this guy. So there's there's a whole lot of firsts that are going on. Well, you on. are. You've said it very clearly that you're going through a period of sexual exploration. Mm-hmm. So, hey, oh, you're in the car now. So I guess like in a way, am I glad I did it? I guess. But like, I don't know. I don't know how to tell this guy that I don't want to do that anymore. Other than I don't want to do this anymore. But that's what turns you on. So I don't know. This might be DOA right from the very beginning. Hmm. Well, how did you leave it when you got out of the car? Or did you just run out screaming and... Right, no, I, like, I, I dropped him back off at his house um, because I was like, uh, Jen is not going to be happy if I do not get to the studio here like in the next 15 minutes. So I, you know, strolled, like, wheeled up beside his house, kicked him out and uh, was on my way. So There you go. Like, it, it just filled me with too much like anxiety throughout the entire thing. Yeah, but is it assumed that every time you're going to be with this person that you're going to be in some public sphere? Like, don't... Don't cut the head off if it's not. I know, but yeah, I, I, well, I think that that's what I have to be upfront about. We can't meet at his place because he lives with some family members. And you have 42 cats. I have 42 cats and I do not need to go through. And this is Mr. Mistopheles and this one is Whiskers. And this is. Yeah, you don't want to make the effort to introduce all 42 of them to a new person. That's right. They get emotionally attached. How And Howard Taft just does not like meeting new people. People listening to this podcast are genuinely like, does he have 42 cats? What is happening? What is happening? I'm having a crisis. I always feel bad for the person who edits this podcast. For the CJSW employee who gets this podcast and has to clear it for air and has Mm -hmm. to just, he must be sitting red faced right now, just being like, how did I get this job? Like something happened that these people are unwell. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we, we are two unqualified people giving qualified advice it's a weird thing Mm -hmm. uh okay so you're late because you were with somebody else and that hurts my feelings uh but you're forgiven for today but now we need a palate cleanser so take a deep breath (sighs) how about your scorecard jen well um as we know from the last two weeks, uh, it's, uh, it's not really turning out great for me, but I will say that um, in a brief note, in a one-line summary, I would s- just offer to our audience listeners that I have, um, I have two goals currently, and that's to have great sex and make lots of money, and I'm 0 for 2. So <laughs> thank you for asking. Great. Yeah. So things are great for both of us. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, Jesus. The man I'm going on dates with who looks a lot like the modern day depiction of Jesus Christ and not actually Jesus himself uh, is remains on ice. Mm-hmm. I'm not referencing Kyle's uh, favorite 1982 ice capades there. I'm referring mm-hmm. to legitimately putting a man on ice. Uh, I got, I have some thinking to do about what I want to do next. And my goal is to just put everything and everyone on ice until I can figure out what I want to do. That is the most sad and demoralizing relationship scorecard update that I think I have ever offered in the 48 episodes of Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. I'm yeah, in a this funk. Is, we're, 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 we're starting off on a very depressing note here this week. I know. I feel terrible. I feel terrible. But uh, let's get into the subject matter for this for this uh, night here. Kyle, are you a curious person? Well, I think I am. I enjoy learning new things and discovering new concepts, but I don't think that's quite what you're asking. No, it's not. Have you ever been in a relationship and started to wonder if there's like something else? 
like something better, something different. Have, have you not listened to the previous 47 episodes <laughs> of this very podcast, Jen? That's basically oh, my MO. Is like, I get into a relationship of some kind. And I'm like, but what if there was something different? Is, is this is this it? Yes. So this past week, uh, my dear friend Steve came for a visit. He'll be mortified that I'm mentioning this on the pod. I promise you this. He came for a visit to see me. And I think maybe just do like a like a really friendly wellness check. <laughs> are, you, mm-hmm. are you good over there? And um, <laughs> we were talking about how I approach relationships like a bear trap. Like I walk <laughs> right. really tediously and I really hesitant because I feel like at any point I'm going to step down into the leaves and the bear trap's going to close over my leg and I'm going to have to gnaw off my own leg. Um, <laughs> and then I'm just, you know, less of a person. And he finds that hilarious. My friend Steve would be categorized as like quintessential courage. He's like, you meet someone, you fall in love, you get married, you have a big career, you take good risk all the time. You do, you do dangerous things in a fun safe way and you live your best life and he just proceeds and doors open for him like i have never seen in my life as they slam right in my face like he is the the best example i have of doors opening for good people and (laughs) doors slamming for people like me and so we often talk about like i'm i was asking him when he came to visit i was like how do you be brave how do you be brave and he's like i don't know you just wake up and be brave and i'm like no but seriously (laughs) I think yeah, but, that's what I say the all the time steps? when I'm with him. <laughs> no, yeah. but seriously, you know, I make the case that, you know, the influence of FOMO, the fear of missing out, you know, outside pressure from friends and family, like, oh, I'm not really sure if this is the guy or girl for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the haunting of the ghost, right? We know that I have a serious ghost from multiple parts of my life. It was like the ghost that continued to reappear and then haunt and then reappear and then haunt. You can go back to our previous episode about uh, the about ghosting to hear the whole story. But I, I think that the the haunting of what could have been from the ghost that came and went and the dream is unfulfilled. I think all of those things catch me into this idea that like that like the grass is greener on the other side. So how does it affect you? Because that's how it affects me. But how does it affect you? Yeah, you know, I was having this conversation with another friend here this past week. And I How think, dare you have other friends? Sorry, right. I just in there. I mean, I can, but you cannot. And this this kind of concept, and this very topic came up when we were discussing different things. What my impulse to do is, and I recognize this is, again, not the best way. My friend agrees, is that I get into a relationship. It's new. It's exciting. Cool. This is like firing my my dopamine sensors in my brain. And then it gets to like date three and four and things are kind of settling into a system. And then I'm like, can I envision this same thing happening 20 years from now? Like that's immediately where my brain goes to is like, can this sustain itself for the next 20 years? And I, and I admit, and I recognize how damaging that is because Jen, you'll know this. Are you the same person you were 20 years ago? I'm not the same person I was Thursday. Exactly. And that's what I, what I mean. I think I look at the stasis that's happening. Like, well, that's what this is going to be 20 years from now. When it won't be. Like, it's impossible that you will be the same person in five years from now, let alone 20 years from now. But my brain goes to that and they're like, so I need that dopamine fix. I need that thing that's going to like invigorate this, this relationship or this or, or my own feelings sort of thing. So I'm always on to the next, the new, the different Mm-hmm. So I'm always longingly looking like, well, I wish I had what that person had or like, oh, I wish I was this person or like th- this 
person is probably going to meet more of my checkboxes than this person I'm currently with. So that's the damaging spiral I always go into. Yeah. So this grass is greener syndrome is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it is most commonly defined as um, like, a, like an inability to feel content with your life as it is and to be in this iterative cycle of relentlessly seeking something better. And Kyle, you hit it on the nail when you said that it's largely con- connected to dopamine. If you read the book, and I think this is the best book that has been written in the last 10 years, it's called The Molecule of More. And it's this exactly this. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that you have these dopamine fixes in your brain that, that demand like, I want more and I want more because it fuels dopamine in the brain, which of course is all of your pleasure sensors. And we used to believe that dopamine was this really basic sort of um, primitive toxin in the in the body that would that would allow us to do sort of foolish and impulsive things but that's not true at all dopamine is a far more powerful mechanism that that actually has a a greater influence over our decision making than our amygdala which is the part in the brain that senses risk and keeps us safe so it's it's not uncommon so you know this idea of grass is greener syndrome I I did not realize was such a big thing. I thought it was just maybe you and me and a couple Mm -hmm. other people. But um, here's the checklist. So like this will help if you guys are thinking, is that me? I have to tell you that I read this and you know how you used to go on WebMD and you'd read (laughs) something and you'd be like, Oh, I have cancer. I have that. This is the same thing. So tell me if this, if you feel seen as I read this list. Symptoms of grasses, greener syndrome include the following. Constantly noticing what's wrong in a relationship being critical and complaining often, have a, having a tendency to be a perfectionist, always being on the lookout for opportunities, but then sabotaging things often or running away from them. <coughs> Kyle. <laughs> Unable to commit Isn't to things. Isn't that like basically describing the both of us? Yeah. We're either sabotaging yeah. or running away. I think this is why we're friends. Unable to commit to things future focused to the point where we're never enjoying the present. Like it's a look Yikes. in your face. Um, I need to of- literally print that on a t-shirt and walk around and like, this is, this is me. <laughs> Wait, there's four more. Feelings of feeling trapped, being uncomfortable with boredom, mm-hmm. constantly using phrases like what if or if only, tending toward all talk, no action, and making impulsive decisions, like be- having some guy in your car. That's 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 from WMD, yeah. Do you like? I, are, I, are you? I, I, yeah, I need to wash out my car. I think. Is it? There's nine. Did you hit all nine? I think you did. I, I would say for sure seven of those nine. Two, I would have a little bit of, I don't know, pushback on it slightly, but I I almost ran the table. I'm all nine. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. god, it's terminal. It's terminal. <laughs> and the thing about it is, like, this grass is greener syndrome where we're where we constantly want to get rid of what we have to explore the possibility of what we could have is a perfect cycle they say it's a cycle of that starts with conviction so becoming animate in your mind that you're better off with someone else despite all of the positive things that a partner brings to the relationship you're only focused on the negative then step then you move to step two which is exploration that piece where you find all that excitement of the emotional roller coaster of all the new things, whether it's a new partner, casual sex, the freedom of being single, it's this this happiness in the external, and we we fuel that dopamine in the body. 
Then we move to sort of the, the pit, the bottom of the cycle, which would be reality. So when all of the happiness from these new external stimuli are sort of expended, the newfound joy then wears off, that your situation becomes your new normal, and you rediscover all of the insecurities you were trying to mask by looking at this grass is greener mentality. And then, of course, that leads you to the last part, which is regret. And that's realizing that, you know, seeking out additional grass didn't make them any happier in the long term. They just feel remorse for leaving their previous situation. Right. Now, that's not always true. I think some people do seek out something better, especially if they've been in something toxic. I'm not saying that every time we choose to depart something, that it, the outcome is usually worse. And I have to say, I felt so... Well, tell me your thoughts on this, and then I'll tell you what my okay, thoughts sure. were on it. Go ahead. I mean, I think this is something that this uh, podcast has been kind of like circling around here ever since we began, right? It's This is something that I haven't been able to necessarily verbalize and give specific terms to, but this is the cycle that I go through every single time, right? That it's like, yeah, I have to make a change. I explore that. I go off and have these self-destructive things. I'm like, oh, but like the previous thing probably was a better match or like we probably did, we, we could have maybe made it work. Like I'm I'm never in the present and, I, and I, I've recognized this for a long, long time where I'm never enjoying what I'm doing currently. Currently, I'm either obsessed by what the future is going to hold or worried about what the future is or being um, sad and uh, having regrets about the past. Like that is my two emotions. And I'm never able to be like, I'm just ex excited and I'm just enjoying the thing that I'm doing right now. I'm always off in the future and the past. Do you want to hear something interesting? Hmm. You know how when we go to like the ballet or the theater, do you ever notice that I don't wear my Apple watch anymore? I didn't, but uh, I'll now oh. be on the look for it. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't wear my Apple watch when I go out with you anymore because I am so empathetic to you that I sense your anxiety being where you are and it sets off my own heart rate. So my Apple watch keeps going off and saying your heart rate's too high. <laughs> and I was like, it's just Kyle. I'm so empathetic toward Kyle that Kyle is thinking about so many things and I can feel all of your anxiety as you're sitting next to me. I'm like, dude, we're just watching Top Gun. Where is your mind? When your mind wanders and you start to get nervous and you start to feel all your feelings, it sets me off and then it distracts me because my watch is like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? This, this is the hilarious thing about that too, because it's like, again, how my brain works is, you know, the day before I'm like, oh, I am I have a need, a need for speed. I am so excited to go and watch this Top Gun movie. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Why can't it be tomorrow already? And then all this other stuff. And then when I'm there, I'm like, but what about tomorrow? And what about yesterday? And what about this thing that's next week? It's like, I can't just, I can't juggle that all at the same time. Do you meditate? No. You I've should. Tr I've tried and it didn't go well. Yeah, but it <laughs> never goes. Focus. It never goes well the first time. It never goes well. Talking about the Apple it's Watch, hard. this now feels like we're being sponsored by Apple and we're not, but there is like the breathing <laughs> app. There's mm -hmm. the breathing app that comes on the watch, which I've done a few times. And know what always happens when I do the breathing app? I fall asleep. I literally well, conk something. out. It's like, focus on your breathing, just in and out, in and out. And if I do that for longer than three minutes, I'm like, <sighs> like just there, <laughs> like just completely conked out. Well, I think we need to go to some mindfulness meditation mm. because I'm worried about your health. And by... By conjunction, I'm worried about my own, worried about my own. <laughs> so I, of course, you know, have to wrestle down the demon that I pulled a classic grass is greener with my, with my husband. I got married quite young 
And he was like, I want to have the house and the, you know, the kids and the white picket fence. And we were, we were building it. I was like, um, that's that line from Eat, Pray, Love, where I said, I consciously built a life that I didn't want to live. Mm -hmm, I constantly mm -hmm. bought all the appliances on credit and, you know, was living that life in a little house and shopping for dining room tables. And I just couldn't see myself in it. And I remember we were, the pinnacle point happened when we were driving to his grandmother's funeral. Did I ever tell you this story? Have I told the story on the podcast? I feel like I have. Don't. Have I? I don't Sorry. know. I'm telling it again. I don't again. think so. Tell it again. So I, we were driving to his grandmother's funeral and I really liked, really liked his grandma. So we're driving to his grandma's funeral and he says, we were having the same conversation we'd had every day. We're just having it with fancy clothes on. And he basically said, like, you're going to blow up this whole thing. You're going to blow up this whole thing to chase something, something bigger. But everything that I'm offering is fulfilling and it's everything that you want. And you're going to have to look over the next hill and find greener grass. And I'm telling you, I'm just telling you because I know you that it's just your inability to realize that you belong here. It's just come too easy to you and you're young and I get that and I'm willing to work with how young you are, which makes him sound like he was 500 years old. He was only three years older than me, but he's just more mentally ready than I was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, but I want to be all these things. And he was like, yeah, you can be some of those things, but I think you're going to really chase things. So as you know, this week I've been having a terrible time as our listeners would, would can go back and, and hear for themselves on our, on our weekly pods. You know, I lost my job and my relationship is just shit and i'm feeling like the bottom fell out of everything so what else do you do but drink an entire bottle of wine and send an email to your husband and oh so it's important to know we were divorced we've been divorced now for way longer than we were ever together we've been divorced what now for 10 years and so i sent him this email i sent him this note permit me to read you this note i keep thinking about that drive to granny's funeral we were fighting because as usual, I wasn't happy. And as usual, you were tired of it. I still remember what you said to me. You're going to blow all this up to chase something you can't see when everything you should want is already right here. I remember thinking that if granny had an open casket, you should probably put me in it. If I couldn't dream, I didn't know how I would survive. I spent a lot of years in pursuit of the idea that you were wrong and I was right. And I'm writing to tell you today, all these years later, that you were right. I was and did chase something that never did marvel what we were building. I blew it up because I didn't know how to settle. I blew it up because I was young and stupid and I didn't know how to be happy. I didn't know how to love someone who didn't make me chase their love. You were right. We had it. And I threw it away to chase the sun, a sun that I did not reach. And I thought you were owed this piece of vindication. I hope wherever you are, you're with someone and ridiculously happy. I hope you found all that you once wanted from me. I hope you never think of me. I hope you found joy that befalls good people. I hope your life is full and your dreams came true. And I hope the time that I wasted was reclaimed. I'm sorry. Oh, how did you feel writing that message? Defeated. Mm. Defeated. I mean, who wouldn't feel defeated? I thought I could, I thought I could just chase greatness. I thought I could go to the best schools and find the best education and find a lover that was, you know, passionate and, and, you know, everything that I wanted. And more and more, I've been laying in bed and thinking, how much further would I have been ahead if I would have just stayed where I was? I think I just didn't know how to be happy. 
And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, well, I can find, I've got 95%. Let me see if I can chase 96. And I hate that. And I would like to find that girl who was, you know, 28, 29. I would have been 29. And I would just like to punch her in the face. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. I may feel differently. This is the thing about it is that all of a sudden I may get a great job and be off to the races. And then I'm like, that. You'll have mm-hmm. to edit that out. Yeah. So I don't know. But I, I had this moment come over me where I was like, oh my God, I totally victimized this grass is greener syndrome onto someone else. And I felt a lot of shame. Has he responded? Oh no. And he won't. He's not that kind of guy. He'll wow. read it a bunch of times and then he'll be like, yeah, this is best unserved. Right. right and that's right. just fine. That's I, like, I'm, I know him well enough to know that he would read it find it in his heart. I mean, he was so gracious and kind to me when I was like, I want to get divorced. And he's like, okay, can't, can't make you stay. Let me know if you need help. So Jen, I think you have uh, served us up this great conversation about the grass is always greener on the other side. I'm assuming that our fishbowl also deals with the same similar topics. Yes, sir. I'm just going to pull the fishbowl over here towards me. I'm going to take out my keys here. But once again, please leave mine in this yeah, week. I'll leave you theirs. I'll leave yours there. Um, all right. Question number one here, Jen. Hey, so I've had a problem my whole life that I can never be content with what I have. It's like the start is great, the whole chase period, etc. But once they reciprocate interest, I start to lose interest and point out their flaws and see any reason to ditch them for someone better. And that doesn't have these issues. It's exhausting and is ultimately going to leave me single forever with only myself to blame and I don't want that. I also suffer with OCD that makes me hyper-analyze flaws and it's called the doubting disease where I doubt everything and it leads me to break up with my ex who I am now back talking to and seeing how things will go. She's funny, beautiful, caring, kind and I adore her as a person but there will be times where she may not look so pretty i.e. first time in the morning or after a night out and I catastrophize and see it as a reason to leave. I love to just feel like I can be happy and content and I'm not sure what therapy to get or if that it's even a problem that I can fix. Please, any advice would be good. Thanks. So he told us there, Jen, anything we say, good advice. Right from right from the horse's mouth <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, I know, exactly. Um, so despite every self-help book telling us that we shouldn't. We derive a lot of our self-worth and our value from what other partners think of us. This man is laying a wasteland of carnage for every single woman that hits his path. And that really is not fair to others. And I think we don't often look at dating from that perspective, which is what trail of carnage am I leaving behind? Because I have a challenge that is inherently my problem that I'm making other people's problems. And you have to imagine there's got to be girls out there who he's like, oh my God, you look so ugly in the morning. I don't think we should be together anymore. And that person just has to carry that trauma Mm -hmm. with themselves and into the next relationship. I mean, some of this is just simply not practical. He's anticipating that every single person is going to be their best at that time. But relationships are inherently messy. People ugly cry, especially Kyle. We learned that from last week. You know, people, you know, things fall apart. Things You know, people have feelings and real emotions. We're flawed human beings trying to have a shared experience. Be practical. His desire for this search of perfection, I guarantee you that led on a path where he found someone who was 99, you know, 0.9 out of 100% that he he wanted, he would focus on that 0.1%. While he probably offers, what, 75% on a good day? It tells me that this individual is not ready to date. 
he's not, you're not ready to date. You didn't submit your name, so we don't know your name. But if this is your question, it's time for you to take a step back and it's time for you to get some help, some formal help to deal with the obsessive compulsive, to deal with the practicality. I think you also need to surround yourself with a strong friend group and you need to look at modeled relationships. Find a friend who's in a long-term relationship and ask them, watch them, look at them. You need to understand that being in a relationship means loving the flaws in a person too. What you're seeking is not attainable and it's not healthy and it's not practical for you and the people that are coming into your ecosystem. That's my thought. Kyle, what do you think? Well, just to build off of that, and I don't want to psychoanalyze too much because we just don't know this person's yeah, we really history don't. and stuff like that. But I was going to say, just to build up what you were saying, uh, looking at other successful couples is helpful because one, if you are coming from like a parents, if you're coming from parents, you may not have exemplified that or showed that showcase themselves a great, healthy relationship that can like lead on into your own relationships. But also mm -hmm. I discovered too, if your parents have like the perfect relationship, that can also be damaging because you just envision, well, everything's going to be this relationship. So they have a perfect thing. Yeah. Going thanks on. mom and dad. I'm, you know, damned if I do damned if I don't. Yeah. Right. So I, I just want to point that out that that can sometimes be indicative of you trying to find that perfect person. But I agree with you kind of generally here about, I think needing to work on yourself before you try and bring another person along on that journey. Definitely. If she, I guess if she wants to stick around for you to go through therapy, that's her choice. But I think this is something you should kind of uh, attack alone. But I mean, the first half of this gen is very similar to me. And we've been talking about this kind of green grass is always greener. But I don't know if we, if we but I don't know if we actually said, like, is there a way to get better? Like, what is the actual fix? There isn't one. There's cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. There's meditation, there's just getting your head out of your ass, which is always the, I think is the first piece of advice that you have for yourself. Um, and I think that, and that is the first, the first move in yoga. It's also my um, favorite part of the 12 step program, which is get thy head and head out of that ass. Mm -hmm. um, we're terrible people, Kyle. Let's look at the next question here, Jen. Uh, so it says Adrian, male, 23 years old. The too long didn't read version is I have an amazing relationship of seven years. I'm very happy and can see myself marrying her, but I have never been single and want to experience dating and casual sex. I see my friends who either sleep around and never develop any meaningful connections and have regular STI and pregnancy scares. And I also have friends who are always trying to meet people on dating apps, but have little success. In both scenarios, I can tell the person is at least somewhat envious of what I have. However, there's a part of me that wants to experience the ups and downs of dating in your early 20s. I miss the flirting stages with trying to gauge people's intentions and making a move. I want to feel the excitement of going in for a kiss and seeing how that escalates. What do I do? Um, Jen, I'm, I'm sorry, I just have to alert the uh, CGSW censors, okay? My answer to you is go f*** yourself. <laughs> what? Why? I mean it. You have what I want. Stop being... Yeah, no. I don't have any sympathy for this person. No not way. A one. No way. That's because you're 39 years old. You're thinking about this the wrong way. The person who submitted this question is 23 years old. Mm -hmm. True. You're, you're very young. You're young. You're vibrant. You want to experience all of the things. I think that this is a quintessential good guy question because what he's saying is that I understand the consequences of my actions if I stay in this relationship. I have to be a good boy. And I just want to make sure 
that I have exercised all of the best of me because I know that when I make a serious decision to be with my partner, I'm making the serious decision. So I'm giving this guy a ton of wide room here and a ton of credit for the question that he's asking. This is a personal ultimatum. This is about this is about risk and reward. Can you risk losing the person that you have over the desire to see what's out there, to experience all of the roller coaster, the dopamine, what what do they used to say in sports? The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat that comes with dating. Do you want that? It will cost you this person that you're ready, that you want to have a life with forever. And you, it's a personal ultimatum. We can't, we don't know enough about you, Adrian, to, to, to give you advice, to talk you in or out of something. I'm willing to guess he's asked a lot of his friends, maybe his family, everybody. You're looking for someone to, to give you an answer to this. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. Um, it's going to come from just yourself, just yourself, just you. And so you just have to ask yourself, am I willing to permanently let go? Because you can always try to rationalize away like, oh, we could get back together, whatever. Are you willing to let go of a person you want to be with to experience the wild ride that is dating in your, in your early 20s? That's the only question you have to ask. And if the answer, uh, is, I... if the answer is yes, that's okay. You're 23 years old. It's okay. It's okay to say, I don't want my life to pass me by before I've had the opportunity to experience this thing that all of us get to experience and in Colonize case, experience for a little bit too long. Yeah. I, so here's the thing, Jen. I think that this goes a little bit deeper and I think it actually ties in exactly to that email that you sent to your ex-husband. This person is willing to throw away seemingly happiness for the perceived opportunity for maybe something better. I, I really do think, and I, again, this is me talking to my friends who have been married long term, is asking that question, does this person that I'm in a relationship with make me happy? Am I actually happy in this? Everyone has their thing with like, oh, like that person's attractive or like, oh, what would it be like if I was, you know, in my early 20s or what would it be like if I was on apps right now? I get it. But at the end of the day, is this a person that you're happy with now? If the answer is no, great. Go Can and, I see and go and explore. Can I see a future without them? Can I see a future without them? And if the, and the answer is yes, then great. Go ahead, have go nuts, have fun in your apps and stuff like that. But if it's like, no, I don't want to jeopardize this relationship at all, then I think it's like, well, then you get to fantasize about this and not actually act on it. In a sea of 23-year-old jerks who try to do both, right? Mm -hmm. Hold on to what they have and date. I want to say good for you for understanding mm -hmm. that you can't, you can't have both. That's true enough. And you have to decide. So let's give this guy some credit. What else you got in that fishbowl, buddy? My boyfriend... 25 year old male and I 24 year old female got together very young I was 16 red flag break up I don't need to hear more <laughs> well he would have been that's not right 17 but okay and we have been together for eight years he is the only boyfriend I have ever had and the only relationship I've ever experienced I find myself thinking more and more about how I want to experience new things I find other guys more attractive etc I feel super guilty about these thoughts because my boyfriend is a great guy. We have a lot in common. My family loves him. There isn't anything wrong in our relationship except me having these thoughts causing me to distance myself from him and the relationship. Breaking up would be extremely hard on him and me. I'm not sure what to do. Are these thoughts normal? 
Should I just keep going and things will sort themselves out? Jen? Oh, I feel super unqualified to answer this question. I think this might be the first question ever in the fishbowl that I don't want to answer. I don't want to answer <laughs> because I'm, I'm amazed that this 24-year-old female is asking a question that I could have asked yesterday, <laughs> that I could ask tomorrow. Right, <laughs> like, right. I just, doesn't this feel super awful and honest? Like I'm yeah. comfortable. I'm comfortable here. Like, look at the things. We have a lot in common. My family loves him. She doesn't say, I love him. Right. I can't imagine living without him. She's, she's asking the question if she's ready to settle. She, if she's ready to settle. And I think if she's doubting it, she's not. But then again, I don't know. No, I, I agree with that because this is different than the past question where he started. Like, I love this person. Like, I am in love with my, um, with my girlfriend. This is different because, yeah, she never says that. She says, my family loves him. And boy, is that a recipe for disaster. Like, well, you know, my family likes the guy. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, I don't know. This this has the veneer of of not feeling right. Well, and there is something wrong with it because you're pointing out the fact that you're distancing yourself from him. This is like the fissure. This is going to grow wider and wider and wider uh, the longer this relationship goes on. Like, I think, honestly, you have two different options. You either like lay it bare in front of him and say, like, do we want to try and rebuild this? Or it's like, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to move on. We were young. I was 16, you were 17. And this was our high school love affair, but it's not going to last. Yeah. I, I think she's wants the spark. And I think if Mm -hmm. she stays in something where the spark isn't there, we're going to have trouble. I think. Yeah. All right. Let's try this question out for size, Jen. I'm in a long-distance relationship with my boyfriend, who I love an incredible amount, and is the hottest and most loving person I've ever been with. Okay, well, this, this feels better. This feels better. In person. Over long distance, I feel like I have to fight for us to talk. We usually call about every 10 days, and we text a bit throughout the day, mostly just asking each other how our day is going. This isn't enough for me, and I've told him that a lot, and he promises to change, and it never changes. We had a big blowout fight about it about two weeks ago, and he said it was because we started going long distance right as the honeymoon right as the honeymoon period ended, about six months in, and his expectations changed regarding how much time we were going to spend together. I just don't know what to do. I don't know if I should leave him or talk to him again, knowing that nothing will change, or just accept that this is the way things are. I really don't know what to do. These days, thinking about him just makes me feel pain. Jen is shaking her head for the audience listening at home. Pass. She's also Pass. so far away from her microphone that nothing is getting picked up. Pass. She's yelling. She's yelling at her microphone. Okay, Pass. listen. Let me tell you the reason why we're never going to have an episode about long distance relationships. Because you're Be- completely against them. No, because I can summarize long distance relationships in two questions. In order to have a long distance relationship, you have to pass through two doors every day. Door number one is, are you fulfilled in this relationship? Yes or no? Not well. Are you feeling fulfilled? At the end of the day, when you go to bed, do you feel like my love cup is full or do you feel like my love cup is empty? If you can get past that one, the second hurdle is, are you getting what you're putting into it? Is there symmetry? That's it. That's the whole thing about a long distance relationship. If you're not passing by those two doors every day, you're not having a long distance relationship. You're in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So 
here we go. Let me just ask this, 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 this question, writer. Are you fulfilled? You've told us no. Are you getting what you're putting into it? You've told us no. Congratulations. This is done. Like, it's just not more complicated than that. I don't know why we make long distance relationships so complicated. First of all, the human condition is not meant to be separated. It's certainly not meant to be separated in 2022 and beyond. And if you're not getting what you want, if this isn't working, if there isn't symmetry between both people working equally, it's no different than if you were a partner together. It's just that simple. My, yeah. I have to just also stop and just say my grandmother would say, my, my grandma, this is the second grandma I brought into this podcast. Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. My grandma would say, if the universe puts you apart, you're not meant to be together. Mm. And she was in a long distance relationship for four years with my grandpa. So I find that to be very telling advice. <laughs> she got, I'm serious, Kyle. She got mailed her engagement ring in the mail. She Jesus. like bought her one and mailed it. And then she was like nervous it was sitting at the post office. So she went and woke up the postman at home and said, do you think we could walk to the post office together? I have a ring that I'd like to pick up. So he walked her to the post office in the middle of the night. And then she went in and she opened the ring. So she basically got engaged with the postman there standing there. And that's the story of how her own relationship or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it went for 70 years. Walter was very nice, though. Like <laughs> he was very <laughs> supportive. There you go. Very supportive. Um, um, I don't know if I'm as hardcore as that. I think generally I agree with the whole long distance thing because I know people will write in and be like, well, me and my significant other made long distance work for the first three years of a relationship and we've never been more in love. And like, great, you're a unicorn and that all worked out for you. I also think that it's a little bit different if it's a very short term long distance, like, hey, I'm taking this opportunity that's going to be two months that's it. It's only these two months I'm going to be away from you. And then for the next little, for forever and ever, we're going to be together. I think that's a bit of a different thing. If you are consistently spending that much time away from each other, I think it's hard. I don't know how you like form those really tight bonds and, 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 and feel supported and feel loved unless you are so like your communication skills are at an 11 that you're just able to be able to do it. Like, that's the only way I could see it happening. Yeah, but he, she's saying, like, I'm not happy and he's not trying. Right, and exactly. I don't. And then she rationalizes it for the remainder paragraphs. I think she knows inherently she's yeah. just looking for someone to give her that little push. I'll give her a little push. Girl, you done. Come to this cliff. It's just a tiny little push. <laughs> you're and done. there you go. Yeah, back into the dating pool. Splish splash. All right. Me... A male, 33 years old, her, a female, 27 years old, relationship length, 6.5 years. My <laughs> ex left me five weeks ago. I believe it was because I've been with her from her ages of 20 to 27 years old, and she thought maybe there was something more exciting out there. Has anyone had an ex leave to explore the single life only to come back after seeing their mistake? Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Don't believe that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, no, no. And I think the bigger question for you is, um, for you at 33, what would you like to explore? Mm -hmm. Take it from me, the person who loves old Hollywood. There is an example of this happening, which is Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, who were completely toxic and awful with each other, but they married twice, and both times it ended in divorce, and them almost killing each other. So, take it from me, don't do it. Yeah, no, I... um. I, I think that you would be on the cusp of like, really think about what you're asking here, sir. 
Um, you're saying like, I'm going to leave her to explore. And if she can't find something, I'm really ready to be her second choice. And that's right, not yeah, what, yeah. that's not what love is. Love is, is that person being your, your first choice or as we get into our forties, the choice we're consciously making. And I think that, um, I think that you'll find resentment and a lack of satisfaction and certainly a lack of fulfillment if you were the guy that was like, okay, I can wait you out. I can wait you out. Although this does feel like the plot of the notebook. Isn't that what happens in the notebook? He like waits her out. He's like, I'll just, I'll build this house with the blue shutters well, and the wraparound I, porch. I have a, a terrible you'll... thing to admit. I've never seen the notebook, but, uh, <gasps> so there's well, that. Well, thank you for joining us on this final <sighs> episode of Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. I can't believe you are such a weird, you'll watch like a 12 hour Japanese film. I will. About driving a car and you've never seen the notebook. <laughs> you are such a hopeless romantic. That's it. That's it. I'm not podcasting with you again until you have seen the notebook. All right. It's, it's on my list. It's one of these weird blind spots that I have. Weird. And yet, what shit did I get up the other day about a movie that I hadn't seen that you were like, what's wrong with you? It was like Rambo or something. Well, it was. It's like you have watched every Rocky movie and That's Creed right. movie and Love Sylvester Stallone and somehow have never watched Rambo. That's, That's right. so weird to me. <laughs> well, it's not Rocky. That's right. I guess so. Not even Tango and Cash. Come on. Next question. So I've been dating a girl for eight months and I've had and I've had prior heartbreaks, but she's my first real girlfriend. And it's funny because in those eight months and due to her and due to other circumstances, we spent 24 seven together, basically a married couple. We split up once as I was heading up to uni, but I missed her terribly when she's gone. And when we got back together, then I started to have doubts as to if it'll be a happy years down the line with one person, because again, she's my first. And we we're still both 19. And then she called it off so that it's not stressing the both of us. I agree, but every day I'm fighting against my doubts and thoughts because I want us to work. And every time it sounds like we are getting back together, I... No. And every time it sounds like we are going to get back together, I get a punch to the gut and I just feel like I'm making the wrong choices. And we had another discussion, didn't get back together. But during that discussion, she was completely tired of it and now we went cold turkey. And again... Obviously, I miss her terribly, probably more than ever. I'm in a constant cycle, and I don't know how to get out of it. I mean this in the nicest possible way. I can tell that was written by a 19-year-old. Yeah, no, totally. Was there any punctuation there? <laughs> yeah, what it a was nightmare. hard. Yeah. What a nightmare. Okay, this guy is not ready to be in a relationship. He's ready to date, but he's trying mm -hmm. to make too many adult decisions too early and too fast. Buddy, just relax. You're 19. You don't have to make all your life decisions today. Just live your best self. Take it one day at a time. Date, be kind, be a good person, learn some lessons, and the right thing will unfold for you. Yeah, this is kind of the danger of teaching Romeo and Juliet to uh, too young of kids. We often do this in high school, and it gets the wrong impression that the first love that you have in your entire life will be, well, I'll drink poison for them. Um, <laughs> well, you're pushing destiny. Like that's really yeah, exactly. the nexus of Romeo and Juliet is it pushes the de destiny. And so a lot of people feel like I have to be more in control of my destiny. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear that she is not interested in pursuing a relationship with you. So there's no reason that you need to be the champion of this relationship that has run its course. I feel like this is like the perfect example that if, you know, in, uh, were they dating before they went to university? 
I'm guessing that yes. they were going to high school together, right? I can envision a time where they come back to their like 10 or 15 year or 20 year high school reunion and they see each other and like, oh my God, remember when we thought we were going to be together for the rest of our lives and they laugh and they laugh and they laugh about it. I think that's what the future holds for this relationship specifically. I think it's time for you to let things go and go and experience different things. That's me though. That's what I think. Yeah, I think that's good advice, Kyle. I think that's good advice. Something I rarely say. Also, don't go to your high school reunion. They're, st- they're stupid. But whatever, that's, that's a completely other different thing. Have you been to your high school reunion? I don't even think they even invited me. I think <laughs> they were just like, yeah, hey, you're an idiot. We're going to leave her off don't the come. invitations. Uh, there was a 10-year. Did tenure. she graduate? <laughs> oh, I forgot. You graduated from a small town. Mm-hmm. I graduated in an urban city. They don't What care. was the weirdest thing? It was, it was I went to the 10-year reunion and technically, last year was my 20 year, which boggles my mind that I've been out of high school for that long. Um, but there was nothing that was that was organized to do. That's the 10 year high school union. Five. Maybe. The 10 year high school union was weird because it was basically a bunch of people who lived out of the small town making their way back and no one who still lived in the town came. So it was this weird, weird dynamic. There was maybe a couple people who still lived in the town that came to it, but it was very much predominantly like 90% of people had made the effort in the trip to come out there. And like another 40 people or stuff that didn't show up that we knew were in town, but just didn't come over to the small hall to, to do anything. How many people in your graduating class? We're totally defecting, defecting now. How many people in I your graduating think, class? I think it was, I think it was 110. That's a huge graduating class. Mm-hmm. For for where for small you, town, where you're yeah. from, yeah, I had hundreds, hundreds and hundreds, and I think I was voted like most likely to be found back behind a dumpster. Like I probably wasn't even put on the list because they're probably like, I can't believe she graduated. Did she graduate? She's probably weird now. I was uh, voted as being. Oh, uh, what's your name again? That was me. Um, oh no you told me you were like a jock on the football team <laughs> yeah yeah total total jock i was on the football team that is true <laughs> and i was also in band so make that work well you're jack of all trades that's right master of none which mm-hmm. is a wrong interpretation of that quote i just found out this week but regardless yes, i was gonna say i don't that doesn't sound right to me okay what's our burning question this week jen our burning question this week is aside from grass is greener syndrome is it really wrong to want more? Um, the quick, the very quick answer to this is yes. But here's my caveat to this. I think it is wrong to want more if it comes at the expense of pushing down other people. This is always my thing. It's like not to get super political, but like I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting a good job, money, that sort of thing. I do think it's wrong when it becomes like I want all the money. And I'm going to push down as many other people as I possibly can. I'm going to be super corrupt and like steal from the poor and like just amass this wealthy, wealthy fortune. I think that's when it crosses the line. I think the same thing is is true for relationships. There's nothing wrong about like, you know what? I think I want somebody who is more attuned to my needs or that we have a better relationship with each other, that we gel with each other. But it's wrong if that is like surreptitious, going behind another person's back, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I, that, that's kind of my answer. I don't think there's anything maybe wrong in the abstract. It's wrong on how you pursue wanting more. I feel the opposite. Whoa, what? I feel Crush the opposite. Crush the other people. No, I just feel like 
and maybe I'm just speaking as a woman, but there are a lot of people that will stand in your way. People stand in your way. They want to keep you small. They want to keep you comfortable. They want you to settle because it feels like it balances the universe. I think that there are a fraction of people out there. And I think for a long time, I was, I'm one of them. Maybe I am still one of them and I'm just having a hard time. Can't help it. Mm-hmm. Just can't help it. We have to know what's, what else is out there. We, it's like people playing poker and they fold, but they don't flip their cards. And you're like, well, I have to know. Did I actually best you? Right. Did I actually make you bluff? I have to know. And for some people, I mean, I have, I have to know. I have to know what else is out there. I have to know if I can explore my own human potential. And sometimes you have to really aggressively move people in your way who have an ideology of you that doesn't match. I mean, you know, I've, I've talked about my, my mom on this podcast because she really is the catalyst to, to me sort of finding and seeking. You know, my mom's aspiration for me would be like that I worked at the corner gas station because I was polite and fast and good with money. Mm-hmm. And that's what customers would expect from a good cashier. That was her ambition for me. And I always had to know what was over the next hill? What was I capable of doing? Where could I go to school and stretch my brain and stretch my knowledge and challenge myself? And I had to move people like my mom out of the way and nicely, kindly, but, you know, move them to the side. Um, and I'm really wrestling with this because I've had extraordinary opportunities that I wouldn't have had if I would have stayed where I was standing or not moved the people that were in standing in my way. And so I think for a small fraction of us, we can't help it. We can't help it. And we have to move people out of our way to just, to just truly wonder and know what was really over that next hill. And mm-hmm. so I'm of, I'm of a different mind. I'm of a different mind on it that for some people, they just, they just can't help it. I think the only question that has to be asked is, what is my motivation and how much harm am I willing to cause in the path of doing that? Because you own what you own. If you are reckless with other people's hearts in the pursuit of your own dreams and goals. Remember that question last week about the guy who was like, I'm moving and you can come or, or not, right. but I'm in the pursuit. Like that's carnage. That's creating carnage, right? I'm moving forward and you're not part of it. So I think you have to ask yourself, how much carnage am I willing to create? How much harm am I willing to create? And how prepared am I to own the, the carnage that I create? I'm now not prepared to, to, I own it, but I don't want to own the carnage that I created 10 years ago in my, in my own marriage when I left. So I don't necessarily think it's wrong to want more. I think you just have to ask yourself, what's the motivation? Yeah, I don't think we're that far apart with what we just said there. I just think you should try and minimize the carnage as much as possible, rather than that being the default. But sometimes it's inevitable. Well, I would lo- we would love to know what your thoughts on all of this are. You can obviously... Send in questions, give us comments, all that good stuff by going to our website, somebodydatejenandkyle.com. That's Jen with two N's. You'll find the fishbowl there. You'll see a place with the weekly question there. So you can definitely send us in the, your, your comments and feelings. And then we're also on the three big social media platforms of Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at somebodydate. You know, some people think that the grass is greener on other podcasts, like other podcasts are better than us. And we're here to tell you it's not. You're never going to find another better one. No, don't even explore it. Don't even explore it. This has been Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. I am Jen Sanford. That is Kyle Marshall. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We welcome your questions. We can't wait to unpack them next time. And we'll see you next week. 
Good night. Bye.